Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Inspire Churches podcast. We're a church in Union City that loves Jesus. Our hope is that you'd be inspired to grow in God's Word as reflected in loving Christ more and more every day. So wherever you are, be a light. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Okay, good weekend, bad weekend. Uh, Pastor Roger in our huddles today was reminding us that there are going to be some people that are going to walk in uh, and they're going to have a great week. You know, some of us, we walked in this morning setting up and tearing down. I'm kind of all over the place, a little hyperactive, you know, and then there's some people who might be in here today that had a terrible week. You just never know. And so I just want to say whether your weekend and your week was amazing or you're coming in today and you just had some ball drop that has weighed heavy on your heart, you made it. You made it today. You're here. You're ready to sit and listen to what the word of the Lord is going to say. And so it's my prayer that everyone in this room, no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life, would walk away, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. You would take something away from this message in the text today. In a moment, we're gonna, I'm gonna invite you to open up your Bibles. If we could raise the lights up a little bit in the room so that my Bible carriers can uh, see the text. <laughs> in a moment, we're gonna open up to Revelation. Um, again, we're just getting in the habit. We put it for you here on the screens, but for those of you that have physical Bibles, um, we just wanna get in the habit of getting, giving you a space to open it up and turn the pages. Uh, Revelation chapter two. This is not a legalistic church. If your Bible is on the Bible app, praise God. I got nothing against that. All I know is that you'll forever be looking at the table of context if you don't use a physical Bible. <laughs> Anyways, that was a joke, but let's move on. Revelation chapter 2, verse uh, 8. We're going to read verses 8 through 11. Um, I will read that momentarily. Let me ask you this question. How far would you be willing to go to prove the genuineness of your faith. Would you be willing to suffer loss? How far would you be willing to go to prove that Christ is Lord? Would you be willing to suffer loss? Would you be willing to die? Would you be willing to die for Christ? Now, there might be one or two of you in here, and you're ready. You can answer an affirmative to that question without a shadow of a doubt, and God bless you. And there might be a few people in this room who aren't followers of Jesus and think that we're a little crazy, <laughs> But I suspect that most of us in this room, if we're being honest, we really don't know. We're unsure of the limits of our faith. We're unsure, we lack the confidence that if that moment came, we would be willing to risk it all for the sake of Christ. My prayer for us this morning and has been for all week is that as we read this next letter, that we would be inspired by the Spirit 
and that this church, this letter to the church of Smyrna would inspire this church in Union City uh, to walk more deeply in our faith. And can I just say this? Um, If you are not confident that you would be willing to risk it all, it's probably because somewhere you doubt the goodness of God. And so with that being said, let's pray, and then we'll dive into the text. Heavenly Father, I know I'll be honest. I'm I'm not confident in certain areas of my life. I'm not confident. Lord, but I pray that as we read your text, as we grow in your word, as the pastor of this church, all the way down to every member, every visitor, that we would all honestly examine our hearts and expose the truth and be honest before you so that you can sanctify us, you can build us, and that you can call us to trust you deeper and deeper. And so, Holy Spirit, be here. Translate the word into the hearts and minds of every person here like only you can. And we ask these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last week, Pastor Roger kicked off a new sermon series that's going to take us really seven weeks that we've entitled Dear Inspire. Dear Inspire. In this series, we're going to be covering seven letters written to seven churches in Asia Minor. And these letters are found in the first, well, these letters are found in chapters two and three of the book of Revelation that was written by the Apostle John. And it's through John, Jesus, the Lord of the church, writes to the pastors of these churches, letting them know that he is in their midst that he is walking up and down and side to side among his churches. And that he, as the Lord of the church, as the pastor of the churches, Jesus Christ, eagerly desires to see the church mature or he'll shut them down. And can I tell you, To shut a church down does not mean literally shutting them down. There are churches that think they're operating under the lordship of Jesus, but he removed them a long time ago. They're fooling themselves. And just before we get into this letter, a really important comment to make, and I know Pastor Roger emphasized this last week. Even though these letters are not addressed to Inspire Church, they're not written to us, every letter contains something powerfully important for us to consider. So as we observe the letter Jesus wrote to these churches, I believe it is important for us to pay attention as a church and to be able to extract from these letters what the Spirit might be wanting to say to us today. Amen? Are we good? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. 
verses 8 through 11. I was talking to Ricky a little bit earlier, and this particular letter is only four chapters long, but my goodness, we can spend hours. I promise we won't, uh, but we could spend hours on just one word alone. And so again, Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 8 through 11. And I love listening to those pages turn music to my ears. Revelation 2, last book of the Bible, verse 8. You ready? It's a little quiet this morning. Amen? Amen? I know it's probably a serious topic. I just asked you to lose your life for Christ. I get that. So I should probably, yes. But amen. God is good. He's resurrected. Here we go. Here we go. The scripture writes this, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, it's just great how, you know, Jesus refers to the pastors of the church as, you know, angels, right? Amen? So, um, to the angel of the church of Smyrna, in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. You see that? Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. I want to examine this letter in three movements. We're going to take this letter and turn it into three sections. So if you're taking notes or you just like to know ahead of time where we're going, here's where we're going. Number one, section one, movement one, we're going to talk about the city. Section two, movement two, is we're going to talk about the church in the city. And then section three, movement three, we're going to talk about the Christ of the church. And shout out to Pastor Roger. I did well with my C's. I was pretty proud of myself. The city, the church in the city, and the Christ of the church. Amen? Once known as the glory of Asia, the ancient city of Smyrna is now modern-day Izmir, Turkey. So this is a letter that's written to um, the church at Smyrna. Now is modern-day Izmir. That's a nice place, yeah. That's what modern-day Izmir, Turkey looks like. I'm sure some of you are already putting it on your bucket list. This is a travel culture that we live in. Now, like Ephesus, if you remember, Pastor Roger spoke a little bit uh, about the background of Ephesus last week. Smyrna was a large and wealthy port city. 
And Smyrna was named after one of its chief commodities. Smyrna means myrrh. Now you might remember myrrh in the birth narratives of Jesus. You remember the wise men, they brought gifts and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh is just a fun word to say, myrrh. I think myrrh and Smyrna were fun. All week I was like, Smyrna. (laughs) Now myrrh was a fragrance regularly used in ancient times to prepare dead bodies for burial. And I think it's kind of ironic that though the church in Smyrna would experience the bitter taste of suffering, their faithfulness unto death would arise towards the heavens like a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. You could say that it was Christ's church that was the true myrrh of the city and that it was Christ's church that was the only worthy commodity Smyrna had to offer God. Yet under the influence of Satan, the city hated the church and co-conspired to destroy it. Still, Smyrna considered itself a sophisticated city known for its schools of rhetoric and philosophy. It even boasted itself to be the birthplace of the great epic poet Homer, not to be confused with Homer Simpson. We're getting better. Yet, like every other great city throughout human history, Behind its extravagant facade and touristic appeal lied a deep darkness that was in opposition to Christ and his church. You see, Smyrna's deep loyalty to Rome had caused them to become infatuated with an imperial cult. Are you familiar with the term imperial cult? As a result, Smyrna showcased a temple dedicated to Tiberius, where the good citizens of the city would regularly go to pledge their allegiance and offer up sacrifices to Caesar as though he was a god. That's what imperial cults do. They elevate the state to the level of God And then whoever is over the state, whether it be an emperor, a king, or a Caesar, is God himself. I want you to note this. This is an important note. The church at Smyrna suffered greatly because they refused to look like and participate in the idolatrous rhythms of their city. Let that sink in. The church at Smyrna suffered greatly because they refused to look like and participate in the idolatrous rhythms of their city. Smyrna was like a fish swimming up water, upstream. The church of Smyrna was like a fish swimming upstream while the rest of the culture was moving with the currents. Smyrna, the church at Smyrna, 
was going against the grain. What a glorious church. This church was in Smyrna, but they were not of Smyrna. They were in the world, but they were not of the world. They were in the city. They were surrounded by the city's citizens, but they were not of the city. And their citizenship was in heaven. They refused to be defined by their city's hustle and grind. They refused to be defined by their city's definition of life. They lived a life of holy submission to the Lord and they stuck out like a sore thumb. Now inside of this impressive city existed what seemed like an unimpressive church only described by their intense tribulation. This really hit me this week as I was studying the text. You know, in our modern culture, especially our church shopping in America, y'all ever been church shopping? Maybe some of you are church shopping today. I just swipe left. Yeah, next. In our modern church culture, especially here in the West, Americanized Christianity at times, not all, but some, we look, we look for comfort, convenience, entertainment, don't we? No? Go on Instagram. I mean, we're, we're, the, like, we're the Yelp culture, right? Like, you, we check it out first. How many, what's, how many stars they got, right? What's the reviews there? No? Am I the only one? Do I like the preaching? Am I going to get out for lunch? I can already tell you you're not here at this church. Well, it's probably why you come at nine, so God bless you. Is the music any good? Nah, y'all don't do that. What kinds of programs do they have to offer my children? Yet, here in Smyrna, the church is only described by its tribulation. You know, in our English dictionary, tribulation is synonymous with anguish, affliction, heartache, grief. In the Greek, tribulation implies a squeezing, a pressing, or a crushing. It's used to describe the ancient process by which oil is extracted from an olive or wine is produced from a grape. And even though the church at Smyrna was being crushed by Satan... God permitted the crushing. Y'all ain't ready for that. Inspired church, I don't know. We're still babies, right? We, the milk of the word, right? You know, Paul says, I can't even go on to the meat. Y'all still struggling with the milk. This is too much. Because even though the church in Smyrna was being crushed by Satan, God permitted the crushing. So that the church may produce the pure oil of faith. Unfortunately... 
this is a truth that many of us here in our comfortable, westernized understanding of church, it's too, too tough for us to swallow. This is why Jesus will call the tribulation that they're experiencing a test, right? A test is a proving of your faith. A test is an exposure of where you're at. Because we're human beings, we like to give God a lot of lip service. And so when we're tested, the testing will determine whether what we say is what we really mean. Suffering, there's something about suffering, right? Tribulation that tests the heart and exposes the motives, right? Your motives are tricky, aren't they? I mean, you don't even know your motives because your motive is to manipulate your motive and to not look like what you're trying to look like and you'll even trick yourself. Tribulation, right? Suffering can tempt us to doubt God's love. Amen? Am I the only one? Suffering can tempt us to doubt God's love. Uh, Suffering can tempt us to doubt God's care, God's goodness, God's concern. Yet, in the end, tribulation proves our faith. Because tribulation, suffering will either cause us to depend more on Christ or deny Christ. Did you notice in the text, Jesus is writing to the church. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty. Did you catch that? There are two Greek words used for poverty. The first word describes one who's barely getting by, living paycheck to paycheck, right? Some of us, we understand that in the Bay Area all too well. But the second word use, that Jesus uses as he's writing to Smyrna describes someone like a beggar who is living in an extreme condition of poverty. Y'all hear me? And so we see Smyrna not only experiencing tribulation and suffering, but the church is living in extreme poverty. And these conditions were not the result of them being unable to work. They were not the result of them not being educated or being unskilled, or maybe they were down on their luck. It was because they refused to deny Christ and acknowledge Caesar as Lord. So their properties and possessions were confiscated. They were thrown into prison and heavily discriminated against so that they could not engage in any form of commerce. Jesus says, I know your tribulation. He says, I know your poverty. And then did you catch it? He says, I know your slander. You're being slandered. What is slander? A slander is a form of persecution that, that involves a constant barrage of verbal assault. It's verbal abuse. 
Jesus is saying, I, I know you're suffering. I know you're deeply impoverished. And I know that you are constantly being barraged with verbal abuse. He says, you're dealing with verbal abuse and predatorial behavior. And it's being shown toward you by those that Jesus refers to as counterfeit Jews. Isn't that weird? He says, those who call themselves Jews but are not. And then he says, but they're actually a synagogue of what? Satan. Uh, let me just paint a picture, give you a story. Um, in order, well, not a story, but let me just kind of try to paint this picture. In order to keep the peace, Rome had an agreement with certain communities of Jews that lived in their many Roman districts. The Jews, everything revolved around Judaism, right? One God. And so when Rome would conquer regions, they would usually, the regions was usually, Rome would bring them in. And then underneath the Roman rule in these regions, and Roman was polytheistic, so they just added gods. But with the Jews, they had actually a special pact with the Jews. <laughs> they, they had a special agreement. The Romans told the Jews, as long as you pledge allegiance to Caesar, we'll give you a religious exemption. As long as you pledge allegiance to Caesar, we'll give you a religious exemption so that you don't have to participate in the worship of Caesar. Good deal. Now watch, and since Christianity had technically come out of Judaism, the natural inclination of the Roman authorities was to extend that same religious exemption to the Christians. Are you with me? Yeah. Just shake your head so I see. I don't want to make sure you're confused, right? Christianity came out of Judaism, and so the Romans were all confused. They said, well, that was just another sect of Judaism, so the same religious exemption we'll give to them, we'll give to the Christians, are you with me? Yet, it was the Jews who opposed that option and would regularly go out of their way to antagonize and persecute and point out the Christian church, co-conspiring with the Roman authorities to have them imprisoned and killed. Welcome to the church in Smyrna. Impoverished, imprisoned, abused, and killed. And you thought serving on teams. You know how to get that one in there. Come on. Where are my complainers at? And you thought serving on teams and going to church on Sunday and going to small groups and stuff. And I'm not going to attempt to manipulate you. You're free in Christ, right? Your salvation doesn't hinge on your serving on teams. I'm just saying, welcome to Smyrna. To identify with Christ's church in Smyrna would cost you everything. It's here, though, in the midst of this satanic scheme to destroy the church in the city, that the Christ of the church 
identifies himself to them in this letter as the sympathetic savior who is eternal and resurrected. Jesus says, dear my beloved suffering church, I know. That's what it says in the text. He says, dear my beloved suffering church, I am the first and the last. I was dead, but now I am alive. I, I know. Hmm. I know. I see. I haven't abandoned you. You are not forgotten. I know what it's like to be impoverished and imprisoned. I know what it's like to endure abuse and to be falsely accused. I know what it's like to suffer at the hands of my persecutors. I know what it's like to die an innocent death. But take heart. Be of good courage because I also know what it is like to be on the other side in glory. Dear my beloved suffering church, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer because I have raised to life. I have the power to raise you back to. In spite of your tribulation, be encouraged. You may not look rich. You may not feel rich, but you are rich beyond your wildest imagination. You see that? He says, dear, this church, I know your tribulation, I know your poverty, and then what? But you are rich. I know you don't feel it. I know you don't see it. But you are rich, richer than you can even imagine or understand or comprehend. You are rich. He tells this church, you may not be wearing the latest fashions. You may not be adorning yourself with the finest jewelry. But if you are faithful unto death, I'm going to give you a crown. Y'all don't get that, do you? You don't see that. You don't see that play, huh? You don't see that play, right? Like, I, mean, I mean, you know that a person of status, you can tell by the clothes they wear, the cars that they drive, the jewelry they adorn themselves with. Yeah. It's everywhere. You see it, right? The jewelry that you wear. And, and you know, sometimes when I'm going down the Instagram rabbit trail and I'm in sin, I'm <laughs> just kidding. And there's certain people you follow or whatnot, and you know, they got all this stuff on and they're telling you how much it all costs. And like trying to outdo each other, you know, well, like, well, this piece is like $55,000, $55,000. And I'm like, my gosh, well, this is a $120,000 carat ring, whatever. Do you understand? Like, it's no different. Human is human. Same old, same old. Back in the day, wealthy port city, wealthy people dressing nice, wearing their jewelry. And Jesus says, you are rich beyond your imagination. And though you are dirt poor, if you endure... Unto death, I'm going to give you a crown of life. Yet some of us will rather wear crowns of selfishness, 
and sin and crowns a resurrection life. Dear my beloved suffering church, I know your poverty, but you are rich. Can I tell you something really profound? You're going to get told anyway. I was hoping for a yes. Of all the seven churches, remember that we're in a portion of Revelation in which Jesus is writing seven churches. Of all the seven churches that Jesus writes, Smyrna is one of only two churches that Jesus does not rebuke. Jesus is the Lord of the church. And in Revelation, he's painted as one in the heavenlies walking up and down the church and he sees everything and because the lord of his church sees his church he has the right to correct his church and smyrna is one of only two of the seven that the lord has no correction for (laughs) jesus has nothing negative to say about the church in smyrna And to be honest, I don't think that's a coincidence that the churches who received the most rebukes were the ones that are most comfortable and most wealthy. The ones that were most a part of the rhythms of their culture. The the, the churches that were tempted to segment their spiritual life to Sundays. Because they had a smorgasbord of things to do Monday through Saturday. I don't think it's a coincidence that the churches that were stripped of nothing, trials and tribulations, suffering, rejected, imprisoned, abandoned, running for their lives, that those are the ones whose faith have been purified. I don't think it's a coincidence that the churches that had nothing and suffered the most exhibited the oil because they were pressed and crushed. Y'all with me? I want to tell you a story of one of the bishops of the church at Smyrna. It was a man by the name of Polycarp. Weird name. But hey, if you want to name your kid Polycarp, awesome guy to follow. (laughs) Polly for short. This is recorded in church history. It is believed that when this letter, when John wrote this letter, He gave this letter to a carrier and the carrier would take it to each church and read the letter out loud in front of the church. And it is believed that when this letter was first delivered and read out loud, that one of John's disciples, young Polycarp, was in the room. Now, Polycarp would eventually become the presiding bishop over the church of Smyrna. He would become the presiding bishop, the overseer of the pastors. Are you with me? Polycarp lived 
a long and fruitful life, and he was the bishop over the church of Smyrna in the latter half of his life. Listen to this. Polycarp was 86 years old when he was arrested by the Roman authorities. And he was taken in front of a shouting mob. It said that the magistrate kept asking him, for the sake of your age, curse the Christ. And you will live. You won't have to die. You're an 86-year-old man. Curse the Christ and you will live. Polycarp responded, 86 years I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king who saved me? The authorities threatened, if you don't repent, we'll burn you at the stake. Polycarp responded, you threaten me with a fire that burns only for an hour and in a little while is quenched. But you do not know about the just judgment that's coming and the eternal fire that is reserved for the ungodly. And as they went to secure his hands and his feet to the stake because they were going to burn 86-year-old Polycarp alive. And the reason why you would want to secure his hands and secure his feet because people tend to run away when they're getting burned. As they went to secure his hands and secure his feet so that he wouldn't run from the flame, Polycarp said, let me be. He that granted me to endure the fire will grant me also to remain in the pyre. He said this, and as Polycarp began to lift his voice and pray, they burned him alive. I got to be honest. As the pastor of Inspire Church, this letter hit me pretty hard all week on multiple levels. I kept thinking to myself, what if Jesus wrote a letter to Inspire Church? And he had nothing negative to say about us. What if the God of this universe, Jesus Christ, wrote Inspire Church, dear Inspire? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how Jesus, if he was just, would say, dear Inspire, I am the God who sees everything. I am the God who knows everything. I see what is done in the light, and I see what is done in the dark, and I have nothing against you. What a win. What a glorious day that would be. I mean, as a pastor, as leaders, as members and attenders, there's nothing more beautiful to be affirmed by the Christ. He says, I have nothing against you. As a pastor of this church, my heart would be overwhelmed with joy. But then reality crept in. Reality 
crept in and and my flesh, I'm gonna be honest with you, this week my flesh got exposed. At what price? What price will we be willing to pay for our faith to be purified by the Lord? This hit me like a ton of bricks, y'all. I was so filled with conviction as I started to wrestle in my flesh. If there was a way for Inspire to look like the church at Smyrna, would I even want to? Would you even want to? If there was a way for your king and your savior to look down at this church and say, I have nothing against you, but it's going to come at a cost. Would you even want that? Would we even be willing to pay half the price? I think we answer with our life every day. Poor, weak, insignificant, unimpressive, imprisoned, abused, criticized, slandered, crushed, killed, yet in the eyes of Christ, rich. Rich. Now we ain't ready for that. I know we aren't because I'm not. So my prayer is that the words of Christ to the church in Smyrna would be an inspiration to the church in Union City. That like the church in Smyrna, the church in Union City, maybe by God's grace, would one day be able to heed the counsel of Jesus, to heed the counsel of our resurrected King when he said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell you see at the very end he says to those who conquer like you don't have to be afraid of the second death I don't know if you caught that well in this text right here Jesus there are two Sentences. One describes the first death. The other describes the second death. Do not fear those who can kill the body. That's the first death. But instead, rather, fear him who can kill what? Both the soul and the body in hell. That's the second death. Y'all see that? Most of us live our lives for the first death, but not for the second. But the first one is temporary. It's temporary. The second one is eternal. It's the one that matters most. say this last thing and we're just going to respond in prayer and we'll take this communion together but maybe maybe and well not maybe I know we're not in a place that Smyrna is in <laughs> you know we're not we live in a very comfortable we got air conditioning we got a heater y'all we got lights cameras y'all y'all hear what I mean, we're not Smyrna And really, it's unfair to to compare us to because we wouldn't know unless we were put in that position. And I really believe that when people are in that position, God gives them grace. But nonetheless, we're not Smyrna. We're not. 
So, so I mean, it's kind of hard to figure it out. Like, would I really, would I really lay down my life? I mean, I want to answer yes, but I just don't know. But can I just tell you, though our physical lives are not threatened, many of you are holding on to things that Christ has called you to crucify many, many years ago. And if you can't kill the flesh in the Lordship of Christ, how are we going to lay our lives down? For the lordship of Christ. So Smyrna becomes an illustration. What they're experiencing physically, God has called all of us. Whether you're in Smyrna or you're in Silicon Valley. To crucify the flesh. To suffer loss. To give it all up for the sake of Christ. To not participate in the idolatrous rhythms of the city. And so in a way, we can prove our faith. We don't have to run to some faraway land and prove that we'll survive martyrdom. No, no, no. You are called to martyr your flesh. If, if you see the beauty of our Savior. If he's worth it. If he's not worth it, then don't. Live your life. Do it your way. Do it your way. But if he's worthy, then like the church of Smyrna, we'll lay our lives down no matter the cost. Dear Inspired Church, would you lay your life down for the sake of Christ? right where you're at would you just praise him you 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 would just we're gonna have the team just chill for a moment would you just praise him right where you're at if you can thank you god come on would you praise him praise him that the church of smyrna's in his presence now (laughs) they're they're in heaven they're with him in his presence and they're awaiting the resurrection of the body but they're there the martyrs are there declaring worthy is the lamb and their blood is crying out they're in his presence but their blood is still crying out Jesus, 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 Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus if they can give up their life I can give up mine Jesus, Jesus if they can give it up I can do it by the grace of God you are worthy you are worthy you are worthy You are worthy. I lay down my life. I lay down my rights. I lay down my life. I lay down my dreams. I lay down my selfish ambitions. I lay down my goals. I I lay it down. It's mortified. It's crucified. It's placed on the cross. I will gladly pick up the cross and follow him. I lay down my idols. worthy and this life is temporary it's fleeting it's passing it's only for a moment so Lord I just thank you for inspired church I thank you for the lessons that we learn from the beautiful bride in Smyrna how glorious your bride is and 
I pray, Lord, that you would empower us through our week to lay down our lives so that you can get all honor, all glory in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, Inspire Church. Yeah, you can clap. It's okay. We're not at a funeral. God bless you. Jesus is resurrected. He is the first, the last, the one who is dead but now is alive. Come on, Donnie. Let's give it. You're going to clap. Give him glory. <laughs> God bless you. Have a beautiful Sunday. We'll see you next week.